This is an ABC podcast. Hello, my name is Fiona Pepper and you're listening to Off Track, the ABC's nature program. For about six weeks every year, a patch of water off the coast of WA turns into a churning hotspot of marine life where dolphins dart out in front of boats, crabs release their eggs, seabirds zoom just above the waves and, astoundingly, large pods of killer whales can be seen hunting, breaching and larking about. I'm Fiona Pepper and I'm in charge of Off Track while Anne Jones is away. Today on Off Track, we're off to Bremer Bay, right at the bottom end of WA as you look at the map just around the curve to the right as you head back towards South Australia. Out to sea lurks a deep ravine, a canyon beneath the sea, and its depth, as well as its location right on the edge of Antarctic currents, are thought to lure a flurry of marine wildlife each year. In 2016, I was lucky enough to get on board a charter boat which takes tourists and scientists out to see this hotspot. All right, good morning, folks. How is everybody feeling? It's 7am. It's an overcast morning at the Bremer Bay Wharf as a group of tourists and marine scientists are loading onto a boat to travel 70 kilometres offshore to the Bremer Bay Canyon. Billy Tom works as a deckhand on the charter and he says every day he's excited to head out to the canyon. Yeah, it's the canyon, it's the, it's the Southern Ocean, it's a wild place out here. We, we do tours every day, um, and every day it's an amazing day. You don't know what you're going to see. It's exciting, it's really exciting. You, you have an initiative to get up every morning and go to work. If you, if you want to do something you love, you do it. So you work as a decky all around the southwest. Is this some of the most spectacular stuff you've seen? Yeah, this is by far the, the most amazing experience I've had so far every day. It's, it's a better experience as it goes on. The, the season's only going to get better. Yesterday we saw a, a pod of pilot, uh, long fin pilot whales. They were about two to three hundred strong and we were, we were listening to the sound of them making, they were making on the water and it was, it was amazing. It was, yeah, I was listening to them as they were coming past the boat and they were all talking to each other and yeah, it's, it's amazing what we do out here. About seven of them. Wow. I'm told it's a small swell today, only a metre and a half, so I head out to the bow of the boat. Oh! I quickly understand why seasickness can be an issue for people heading out to the canyon, but apparently, the bigger the swell, the more playful the orcas become. There's a big pot of orca here. Hey, Ricky! That's Tyson up there, he's doing tail splashing. Look, look, it's Tyson, mate. Oh, wow. This is Mal, the skipper of the boat. What's that one's name? That's a 380. Yeah, I'm following him. He's the biggest one. He's Dave's favourite. Dave saw him in 2013, something like that. So whenever we're coming out, there, have you seen my mate, A380? Whenever we find him, try and get up and have a good look at him so we can see if he's got any damage, see if anything that's different, get a new set of um, new set of ID photos, things like this. 
How big's A380? How big is he? Mm. He's that big. <laughs> Look at the size of it. A big one of these will weigh around eight tons. Yeah. And how old do you reckon he is? That's a real hard call. Beck might be able to tell you, but I don't know if they have a similar lifespan to humans. The oldest one, older than a hundred. Oh wow. oh wow! One, two, three, four. Four And now the orcas have started putting on a real show. They've started breaching and jumping well and truly out of the water and crashing back down again. It's pretty amazing to see. Look at goosebumps. Rubbing so hard. Beck Wellard is a PhD candidate at Curtin University. She's studying the bioacoustics of orchids. Bremer Canyon is definitely one of the most unique uh, areas I've seen out in the Australian Ocean. It's the largest aggregation of killer whales in the southern hemisphere. This is the one most reliable place for me to collect data on killer whales in Australia. So earlier you were describing the killer whales by name, that's how familiar you are with these guys? Yeah, so uh, over the last few years we start to get to learn the individuals. We use marker capture photo ID, so we look at their dorsal fin, their eye patch and their saddle patch and that's how we can start to tell individuals. It's a really good way to keep and monitor the population that we're at, what we have out here. What are some of your favourites? Um, definitely one of my favourites would be Split Tip. She's uh, quite a friendly adult female. She's got a little nick in the top of her fin. Lucky's one of my favourites. Lucky, we're not sure if it's a male or a female. Lucky has no dorsal fin. Uh, just to see an animal out here that last year had no dorsal fin and to see a reside again this year is uh, really good news for us. Another one uh, would be a sub-adult male we've named El Nocho. He's got quite a, a big notch in the back of his dorsal fin. And yeah, it's just really nice to see all these groups out again over the coming years. I mean, obviously there's orcas here, but there's all sorts of marine life. What other stuff have you seen? Yeah, exactly. It's not just the killer whales out here. It really is a hot spot. So, uh, gosh, over the last few years, I've seen sperm whales, pilot whales, lots of different types of dolphins. We've had bottlenose and common dolphins, uh, lots of different sharks as well. So we've had a great white, whaler sharks and blue sharks, which are quite unique to see. And uh, sunfish, manta ray, fur seals, honestly the list is never ending. It, you just never know every day you come out in the canyon what you're going to see. And you've got students coming down to, to assist you? As you've seen I've just been running around the boat trying to get as much data as possible so many hands makes light work and uh, there's lots and lots of data we've collected. Unfortunately now I've just got to go back into the office at the end of the field and start going through it all. <laughs> so at the end of this season what's your aim? End of this season is to start going through the data. I would like to look at some more of the acoustics and see if I can put the acoustics per each family pod that we're seeing out here. That's that's quite really interesting to me. And then my next field season, I'll be going up to Exmouth. So there's some killer whales off the Ningaloo region. They're a different population. And I'd like to see how different their acoustics are. Have we got any closer to understanding why the killer whales are, are hanging around the Bremer Bay Canyon? Look, there's definitely a few hypotheses, but we haven't got to the bottom of, the pro of it yet. So... It'd be really interesting to get down to the bottom of this seafloor, see if there are hydrocarbons seeping out and see what's actually going on because there is something going on out here and we definitely need to find out what it is and we need to protect it. How deep would it be to get to the bottom? Uh, the canyon system can go down to about 4,000 metres. Uh, it's quite a, an interesting canyon system. It changes depth throughout it. But as soon as we get off the 800 metre mark, that's where all the life is. So, yeah, to get down to the bottom would be 
really, really interesting. So are you interested in getting a marine park listing? Definitely. This is an area that needs to be protected. Um, I'm sure as you're coming out today, you've seen it. it's it's really special and we don't have anything like this in the Australian waters that we know of. And it's something that we need to, to cherish and protect at the same time. The orcas are trailing behind the boat now. So the marine scientists have launched their underwater microphones to try and capture their calls. And this is what they can hear. Orcas communicating with each other. Now these whales might have put you in a state of zen as they chat away, but don't forget, they're still apex predators on top of the food chain. This boat's been slowed down because the, the water is filled with thick blood, you can even smell it. Uh, smells of fish, and there's uh, a lot of birds hanging around trying to catch up with the orcas, so they've obviously killed something pretty significant. I have to say I'm feeling pretty sick at the moment. Um, I actually just threw my lunch up over the side of the boat. Uh, so I'm not rushing outside to see what exactly is happening. But um, from what I can tell from the comfort of the inside of the boat uh, is that the scientists have just flown a drone up which is hovering above the boat to try and get some vision of what exactly the orcas have killed. There was talk of trying to get a sample of the flesh by scooping some up with a net, but it may be difficult to identify the animal when it's been ripped up into lots of little pieces. On Off Track today, things have got a bit gory. We're on a boat at Bremer Bay Canyon in the southwest of WA, a hot spot where killer whales can be seen for some of the year. And the boat is travelling through water that's red with a killer whale's kill. I'm Fiona Pepper, and despite feeling a bit queasy, I'm sticking it out. Not at least of all because the boat is now 70 kilometres offshore. If you want to understand this place, you've got to understand the sharks at the same time. It's not all killer whales out here at Bremer Bay Canyon. Adrian Gleiss is a research fellow at Murdoch University and he's looking into an equally as impressive animal, the blue shark. What we really want to do is to look through the animal's eyes and see how it sees the place, you know, and that's why we're hoping to deploy, you know, cameras on blue sharks that measure all sorts of uh, important things about the environment that will then tell us why they're here. So blue sharks are probably... Um, at least used to be probably one of the most common sort of open ocean sharks there are. They can grow to good sizes, you know, over three meters, close to four meters, but they're sort of a very spindly shark, and they have these really long pectoral fins that make, make them look a bit like a sailplane. And I think it really helps them sort of glide around this sort of blue desert with really low, low energy expenditure. So they're real specialists for those open ocean environments. And do they go into particularly deep water? Yeah, blue sharks love deep water. I think there's some really interesting stuff that's uh, people have done with them with tags where they show that they can routinely dive to over 800 meters. So your project here is to try and tag one of these blue sharks? Yes, ideally we'd like to tag a blue shark out here and uh, what we'd really like to do is put a small video system on the animal so it's going to film what the shark sees but at the same time it also 
you know, it's essentially what your smartphone does. You know, it, it measures the orientation of your of the animal, how often it beats its tail. You know, and from that we can reconstruct everything about the environment and about the behavior of the animal. And how do you go about tagging a blue shark? Well, this is what we're trying to figure out at the moment. But really, what we're going to try and do is lure the animal to the boat. So we're hopefully going to come across some animals. You know, when killer whales um, make a kill. Blue sharks apparently um, move in on that kill as well. And then what we're hoping is that a shark will swim by the boat and our camera is attached to a, a little sort of clamping system. Just have the animal swim by and it'll clamp onto the fin and they'll stay there for a few hours and then come off and leave nothing on the animal. So it's sort of a minimally invasive step that we're trying to take and just to, getting under, to get an understanding of what it is about this place. Now a moment ago, everyone noticed there was the the water was filled with blood. Yeah. You could smell it in yeah. the air. This kind of fishy yeah. smell. What what was going on? It looked like a classic kill of a of a bigish animal. So we see same things. For example, with white pointers, if they kill a seal, you get a very large slick. So even though the slick that we saw was really big, it could have only been a seal, you know. But it could also have been a beaked whale or something else. We probably showed up 10, 15 minutes after something was killed by those orca. Um, and it's a shame we couldn't get a better look at, at what it was. But I guess, you know, it, it's a big ocean. You have to be lucky to be in the right place in the right time. So we're just, we're just a slightly um, tad bit late this time. We saw the animal have some sort of leftovers in, in, in the corner of its mouth, but it's really hard to identify what it is. Once you, you turn an animal into 30 different pieces, it's going to be pretty difficult to find out what it is until you actually get a little, a little piece of it. From what a lot of the crew are saying, it, it always seems like it looks like the same type of piece. Being a marine scientist, you've spent a lot of time in the ocean. What's so significant about this place? So Brahma Bay is a, you know, is a really incredible place just because of the amount of big ocean life you get here. I think as people, we often look at the ocean and it looks, it looks really uniform. I mean, it looks like a blue desert, if you will, but it's, but it's not at all, you know. It's a blue desert that has watering holes in between. And these deep canyons, like you know, Hood Canyon next to Brema, where we are right now, or Brema Canyon, you know, they are oases like this. You know, they're basically these areas where it's really deep water meets these shallow waters, and it just creates productivity, you know, and that attracts big animals. You know, it starts small, it starts with more algal cells, more phytoplankton, which, you know, gets eaten by zooplankton. The zooplankton gets eaten by schooling fish, you know. And up you go the food chain and you end up at the killer whale. And yeah, I mean, this place is just one of those hotspots. It is significant for that reason. We don't know what the basis exactly of that food chain is, but we know it's significant because you couldn't go out. If you'd go 20 kilometers, let's say, east from here, to you and I, it would look the exact same. But you wouldn't see 100 killer whales in four or five square kilometers. It's funny, all day everyone sort of seems on edge because something yeah. could happen. Even now we're sitting inside the cabin of the boat and people have rushed up to the bow of the boat and you yeah. wonder what they're looking at. Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's, that, that's the great thing about these trips. It gets people connected to the ocean in a way that nothing else I think can. And especially if you're in a place like this where you, know, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't, know, you don't know what you're going to see next. There are a few places that are so wild that can bring people and they, they realize what a, what a big place this ocean really is, you know? Because we're not made for this environment. We can get glimpses into it, you know? And we can be lucky to see something incredible. But we can also go out and see nothing. After a huge day on the boat, we start the long journey back to Bremer Bay Township. And I finally get to sit down with Dave Riggs, 
who runs the expeditions out to the canyon and who's actually responsible for discovering the place. I was contracted to observe marine wildlife on board a Japanese tuna research vessel back in 2005 and one of the transects that were covered during that 19-day expedition was through this area and I just noticed an unusual amount of activity, not always in your face. To put it um, in simple terms, I suppose, it smelt different. It felt like there was something special about this place and I continued to observe it and it all fell into place, I suppose, when I got in touch with a oil and gas company that was conducting seismic research out here. Their information seemed to collaborate with what I was observing. And what is the Bremer Bay Canyon? Bremer Canyon is a 50 odd kilometre long um, incise into the edge of the continental shelf and it appears that during summer when the Lewin current is at its weakest there's a cold water salty current that's basically emanating from the Antarctic. It's carrying a lot of brine from the melting ice down there. It penetrates this canyon so this salty rich nutrient filled water is now got the ability to penetrate the water column vertically and hit the surface and causing all sorts of life to congregate in this location. Can you explain how it all works? It's a theory at this stage but there's been a lot of work done on uh, ecosystems that exist in the deep ocean beyond the reach of sunlight. So they're not photosynthetic ecosystems, they're chemosynthetic ecosystems. They're ecosystems that derive their lifeblood, their sustenance in a sort of chemical way as opposed to in a you know, sunlight orientated fashion. And the idea is that there is a, a deep water pressurised hydrocarbon system here being fossil fuel, oil, and it's under pressure, under the seafloor, 800 odd metres down below the killer whales and it's leaking. It's leaking methane and oil and on land that would be poisonous but you take that down to 800 metres, that pressure and temperature cause it to become a fertiliser. So you said when you first found this place you thought it just, it smelt different, there was something special about it. Now we're in a boat half filled with science researchers out here looking at all the different marine life here. How does it feel to kind of, to see that you, you know, you've pursued this thing because you just knew there was something out there and obviously now everyone else realises there is something else out here too. It's like a sense of relief. I get such a, I don't know, it's like seeing, you know, normal members of the global community really we've got international people on this vessel now coming over especially to come out and witness this and to see them experiencing what I was seeing years ago and it's just a it's really special you know we've made a couple of documentaries that have gone pretty viral overseas to say the least and it's so much more satisfying running these expeditions with normal people than being involved in a documentary Every time you, you speak to you know the, the crew on board, they say every day is different, and it seems like it definitely is. Can you explain what we saw today? Yeah, today was you know sort of started out a typical day, I suppose. We go to this particular location, we 
loosely refer to as the hot spot and usually we see killer whales in that location and from there we we observe them and today they really started to to come out of the woodwork all of a sudden there were killer whales everywhere as you saw you know dozens upon dozens of them and we had some huge breaching bull activity you know leaping clear out of the water you know half a dozen times and this was just a, a real show of power and I think everyone on the boat would agree that was you know wow that was the money shot that one but then there was the, the behavior changed and they all calmed down coincidentally right at lunchtime so we stopped to have lunch and Put our underwater microphones in to listen to them having lunch and then we saw them starting to wake up after the lunch and afternoon siesta so we fired up the engines tail behind them and sure enough they were they were feasting on something else a lot of activity big pools of blood and it's just unbelievable to watch to have the opportunity to come out and watch apex predators at work maybe someone c can correct me if i'm wrong but personally i'm not aware of any other deep water offshore locations that have this sort of reliability with regard to finding killer whales and other species that are attracted to them, lots of sharks and seabirds and things. So it's pretty unique. Um, how many of these locations are around the world I, I really don't know but I guess that highlights the fact that there's been so little work done in the deep ocean, particularly the relationship between deep water hydrocarbon systems and this life. But it's just for a little window of the year, isn't it? It's just six weeks of the year from, you know, the end of January? It seems to start happening late December. That's not so much when I believe the killer whales turn up en masse, but when the Lewin current starts to back off, giving this cold water upwelling a chance to penetrate and hit all the, get all of the nutrients to the surface. And it, you know, killer whales travel in family groups, and I believe this could be a location where different family groups come together, it's a reliable source of food and this is where they do their mating behaviour if you will. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty special spot in that regard for sure. In terms of preserving this special spot, uh, are you also involved in, 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 in making sure that the Bremer Bay Canyon is left untouched? It's, it's so hard, I mean it's, it is a, a recognised hydrocarbon province, it has oil and gas that's how the world rolls at this stage. So I can't be too much of a hypocrite. We put a fair bit of diesel in this boat. But when you look at how many provinces there are around Australia that have these resources and what have already been taken, I'm really concerned that we're effectively depressurizing our deep ocean, turning it into a flat football. And this is, relatively speaking, a small area when you look at it in a big picture thing. So I'm sort of thinking, well, just humorous. Just, just leave this one. It's never had a hole drilled in it. Let's just leave it and let us look at it and work this out. And I think that's the best we can do, really. You can't twist anyone's arm. We can't jump up and down and carry on like pork chops. You know, I think we need to be realistic and just keep observing it. But I'm hoping that we're afforded the opportunity to, to do that. Because there, there aren't currently any exploration leases on the Bremer Bay Canyon. The, the last was in 2014 and that was um, relinquished uh, and it would be up to the federal government to hand out any more leases. Does it seem like that's likely? I mean given the, the, su the suppression of the, the oil and gas market at this stage of the game I don't think it's likely anyone would take it up at the moment but you know this isn't about the, the now. This, is, this has to be here in 50, 100 years. I mean if the human race is still around 
I'd really like to know that this place was still here. I've got a, a sneaking suspicion our, our great-grandchildren will go, thank God they left one. Dave Riggs, who runs a charter boat out of the town of Bremer Bay to travel to an underwater canyon 70 kilometres offshore. My name is Fiona Pepper, and that's it for this week's Off Track. I think the most special thing I recall seeing is having 30-odd killer whales around the boat, very playful. We had a hydrophone in the water, a microphone listening. We could hear a sperm whale way down deep, tracking squid, 1,000 metres below us. All of a sudden, he stopped bouncing his sonar. The killer whales fell silent. And all of a sudden, they took off like, like absolute rockets across the surface. We struggled to keep up in this patrol boat. And way up ahead, we saw this blow from this giant sperm whale. It hit the surface. And I just thought, they're going to go for it. It was like, you're kidding me? This thing's 60 feet long, plus huge sperm whale. We're getting closer to it, and you can see these massive killer whales. The big bull killer whales, were, they were basically sliding around on its head. He had a huge, giant squid in his mouth, and they were trying to steal it. It was mind-bogglingly cool. Oh, my God.